It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors, Michael Grange drops a bomb digging into all that went wrong for the Toronto Raptors in 2022-23, heading into what has already been a pretty turbulent offseason. Is there more to come? Katie Heindel is here as we put our Andy Cohen caps on and talk a little hot gossip. Let's get to it. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot trying to miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. going on and welcome to another episode of Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Wednesday, July the 5th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley, who needed like nine takes to start this show properly and still could barely do it. Uh, and I'm very thankful for today's guest for being patient with me. Uh, of course, I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons. You can find all my work over on Twitter at Woodley Sean if you're still on Twitter. Still waiting for that blue sky invite. Someone hook a brother up. Let's go. Uh, uh, also, there is uh, YouTube. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel. There are all the podcast apps. You can find the show for free in audio form over there. We're on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. And most importantly, come hang out in the Locked On Raptors Discord, baby. It's a lovely place for spiraling and remembering the good times and spiraling some more. It's fantastic. The link is in the description. Come hang out. A great little community we got building around the show. Nearly 140 people have decided to jump on in there. It's great. T- it's a great time. Great fun. See you there. Uh, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And we will get started mercifully uh, five minutes after I pressed the original record button. Uh, many, many <laughs> mistakes later. Katie Heindel is here. Katie, how the hell are you? We're talking Michael Grange dropping bombs today. We are. We are. The Grange bomb? No, we need like a better term. The Grange, the Grange rain, the Grange, Grange the Grange nade. Yeah, yeah Grange that works nade. Too. Um, <laughs> I'm good. I'm Sounds good. like a nice drink, actually. It like does. A, yeah, like his riff on an Arnold Palmer. Can I ask you more lemonade? He'd have in it. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm good. Getting ready for summer league. Leave tomorrow. I know we're going to talk about that at the end of the show, but mm-hmm. yeah, doing well. That's great. Today's show was supposed to be all about Summer League, and then Michael Grange at Sportsnet last night dropped a very long piece digging into all sorts of drama internally with the Toronto Raptors in 2022-23. It's the kind of piece you usually expect to follow, a very disappointing season that leads to a coaching fire and all of that. None of this is very surprising, I I think, when you kind of think back and look at the season that just played out and, you know, the departure of Fred Van Vliet kind of being the cherry on top of it all, the the very nasty maraschino cherry that's, you know, just not very appetizing whatsoever. Um, 
you know, and so you get these pieces now, and this is all, I think, kind of inspired by the Pascal Siakam of it all right now. Is he going to be the next guy moved? And what does the sort of very large cultural organizational shift that seems like it's going on with the front office, how does that kind of wrap up the former sort of members of the old guard, I guess, as it were, Pascal Siakam being kind of the last of that, OG and an OB2, although OG's a little younger um, and obviously less prominent as like the face of the team than Pascal and Fred have been. Um, so if you haven't read the piece, pause the show right now. The link is in the description. You can go read it. Uh, it's a very, very detailed documenting of all sorts of stuff. Uh, but Katie, for you, what was your sort of biggest takeaway from this Grange report, kind of digging into, um, you know, the really kind of starting with the Orlando back-to-back losses in December. That was what kind of sent everything into flux, the trade deadline, all the uncertainty going into there, the Yakapurtle trade, the, you know, sort of ill-begotten attempt to save the season, which did yield better results. You can't argue with that. It sure did, but obviously not quite to the degree that you would have hoped. Um, Where do you kind of sit after reading that piece? Are you feeling any certain kind of way? What's your sort of big takeaway from it? The poor travel coordinator. What did they do? <laughs> what did they do? What did they have to do with anything? Um, that was a funny, not funny. I, like, I'm sure that person will land on their feet, and I hope they do, but like a kind of funny stray addition to the story. I think uh, for the most part, I wasn't as shocked because a lot of the stuff you and I had been talking about, I had heard mm-hmm. kind of just around the team. If you're like at all a visual or like sort of empathetic person, you could pick up um, throughout <laughs> the latter half of the season. I, uh, so it was like all of these kind of disparate things coalescing together and Grange kind of reframing that, uh, in a way that made more clear this like Mm -hmm. timeline of disaster the Mm -hmm. Raptors went through from December onward. I would say definitely most palpable to me from all-star, like just preceding all-star and then all-star onward for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I think probably the most surprising takeaway was the display displeasure distaste that Siakam and Fred Van Fleet had with the younger guys mm-hmm. as it was kind of framed and you know Grange didn't go into any specifics to who those were you can probably assume Scotty Barnes is one um maybe Precious Achua I guess I don't consider Gary Trent Jr. a quote younger guy just because of his tenure sure. uh, and role on the Blazers before he got to Toronto you know um mm-hmm. certainly like on the younger side of his career uh, but there being certainly a disconnect between those two groups, which again, you go back, like it's not surprising news or to read, you know, it's something that you could kind of see in, in motion. Mm-hmm. Um, all in all, I think it left me with the thought that there were several camps asleep at the wheel this season. Yeah. Um, certainly the coaching staff led by Nick Nurse, not picking up on things or not acting very quickly, and probably also the front office in terms of Masai Ujiri, Bobby Webster. I mean, I know to a degree you're a little bit like, well, what could they have done to interfere? But when mm. at the end of the season they're a little bit like, we didn't like watching this basketball, we should have been involved more. You know, like they've since owned up to it. So, again, I don't sure. think it's new news. Um, but how does that disconnect happen is mostly what I was left feeling like. Who should have been more involved? When should that have happened? We might never have known. It might be more existential. Maybe we never can know. But um, that things basically got off the rails and no one really stepped in to fix them. Yeah, I mean, I've kind of joked, but I actually kind of think this is real. Uh, It really just feels like a story about the uh, inability for Zoomers and millennials to ever see eye to eye. Uh, (laughs) It just... 
Look, I don't think it's surprising necessarily that there was some tension between, let's just say, Scotty Barnes and Fred VanVleet, Pascal Siakam. I'm sure there are other players involved here, but it very much seems like there's the dividing line of, hey, Scotty Barnes is the 21-year-old fresh hot thing for fourth overall pick, rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet are the self-made dudes who each themselves are once-in-a-lifetime developmental stories who turn themselves into champions and all-stars and very well-paid NBA players. It would make some sense to me that there's a bit of a philosophical rift between those two sides. Mm. The problem is, is like a, a better coaching staff might have a better chance of bridging that gap and kind of solving those intergenerational divides. And obviously the, the coaching staff didn't have the wherewithal to do that. And then I think the front office, you know, we have to put it on them as well for not assembling a roster that was conducive to the sort of success it seemed like Nick Nurse thought they were after as a team um, and, you know, trying to build upon the 48-win season of 21-22. I really do wonder if we're going to look back at them going on that heater in the second half of 21-22 as like the worst thing that could have happened for this whole thing. Um, You know, (laughs) if they just win 41 games and it's like, oh yeah, this was a building season and there was some good stuff here. Let's continue the building forward and don't have crazy expectations for next year uh, i feel like we're probably in a different spot right now but that's you know all done and dusted now we can't go and rechange the past but uh, yeah i i think it does just kind of speak to the thing that i was talking about all season long and that there's not just one cause of blame here it's a lot of different forces kind of pulling on one another and ultimately it does kind of feel as though the lack of direction the lack of a stated goal that you know, we kind of talked about a lot during the season as like, all right, where are they actually trying to go here? You know, if they want to have these these older guys in the team, like why haven't they assembled a better roster to support them? If they want to go younger, why are they, you know, playing seven guys 40 minutes a night? All this, like ultimately their lack of direction kind of seems to have consumed the team because the internal structure was not strong enough to support all of that pressure from all the different sides. It was not a very well-built foundation, I suppose, culturally. Um you know, I like, what do you do about it? I guess is is sort of next question. We'll get into the Siakam stuff and whether or not he's going to get moved next in the next segment here. But let's just assume for now that Siakam will be back because look, as much as it's it's seeming like there's a Siakam trade out there somewhere, I also don't think it's a foregone conclusion because I've yet to really be compelled by an excellent offer that's been put on the table in any sort of you know proposition or fake mm-hmm. trade machine machinations. Like it's hard to find a deal right now. And the Hawks stand out, but I also think the Hawks are going to be incentivized to not want to go all that in onto a trade for Pascal, considering they just went all in for DeJounte Marie a year ago and it blew up in their faces. Like, they can't do that again. And so it's like, it's a bit of a weird standstill almost with Pascal. He very well could get moved. We'll talk about that and sort of what it would mean. But like, if Pascal is back, do you think this is the type of thing that can be mended with some fresh ideas? Of course, the entire coaching staff, except for Jim Sand, is new. Uh, shout out Jim Sand, just hanging on uh, <laughs> and doing a good job, as it turns out. Um, but like, how do you sort of go about bridging that gap in the sort of the, the, the Scotty Pascal rift, if there is one, right? Maybe it was just Fred. I, I don't know. It's hard to say, but it does seem like there was that clear divide. Um, well, what's next? I mean, there has to be some intentionality. Like, it's one thing for, I think, you know, fans and certainly media to critique or to pick at or question what the direct, like, overall direction of the team was. Um, mm-hmm. That's always going to happen. But when that's happening, and I, in my job, you know, kind of still had that 
expectation, perhaps not certainly not understanding, but expectation that there was this sense of direction that was being communicated to the roster mm-hmm. from the inside, like to the team that maybe sure. like, yeah, we're, we're working to figure it out, but like here, these are still like kind of the tenets of the team that we stand on. So it's surprising to, to learn perhaps that those weren't even there foundationally mm-hmm. this season. So, you know, there's going to be a disconnect from that if everybody's sort of moving or like you have different cliques or camps on the team wanting to move in different directions. Um, you know, the nurse thing, just to go back to that, I think nurse was coaching a team that he thought was more technically adept to the things mm-hmm. he wanted to coach or like technically yeah. capable than they were, which clearly they were not. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, a mishandling. I'd say that's even a misjudgment because you're not actually clearly seeing the thing that's in front of you. Yeah. Um, Pascal and Fred probably wanted it to go a different way. I think some of the younger guys who wanted reps obviously wanted to go a different way. So you have everybody pulling in a different direction and there is like no cohesive through line. Mm -hmm. So if I'm a new coach coming in or if like I'm Darko, you want to really set that intention right off the bat. And I'm sure they already have in the Mm -hmm. conversations he's had with returning players, maybe the conversations they tried to have with Fred before he left. But I do think that was in some ways a foregone conclusion. And also if you just want to look at it like very black and white, the money made it kind of a foregone conclusion. Um, But, you know, in bringing in potentially bringing Siakam back, if you're going to do that. Uh, And I think we'll see that as early, honestly, as summer league, because it's going to set intention for some of those guys that will be, kind of shuttling, I think, back and forth between 905 uh, and the Raptors again this season. Mm -hmm. But there has to be some definition, certainly better Mm -hmm. definition of what there was last season. And to a degree, a new coaching staff, like an almost completely new coaching staff, does that by design. Yeah. But that can't, because of what happened last year, you almost want to overcorrect. Like that that can't be enough. It can't be enough to just be like, well, we're brand new. So of course it will be different. It's like, okay, you're brand new, but what are the ways in which you want it to be different and really deliver that to the team? Because some of these guys have been now through, like have stayed and will be, be kind of like carrying over some of the distrust and mm-hmm. the confusion from last season. So you want to make it as clear as possible. Yeah. Like I, I think all of the different parties involved who had some sort of blame at their feet for what happened have to kind of reassess a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, Nick Nurse is not going to get a chance to do that. He's been fired, and the new coaching staff, you would think, is kind of step one in re- reset, you know, resetting the coaching element of this, this formula. You know, Scotty Barnes, look, Scotty Barnes is awesome. But I, I also think Scotty Barnes, there's a chance it, it, like that the... I want to put this carefully, but I, I, I think there's a chance that the feelings that perhaps Fred and Siakam are reported to have about the younger players, aka Scotty Barnes, pretty justified, honestly. Like, you come in and it's year two, and, and like you have a two time All NBA player who's your best player on your team, and Fred Van Vliet, who's an All Star. And yes, I get it, like, kind of in decline, but still an All Star and still has been there and won a championship and all this stuff. Like, I think it's kind of ridiculous to assume that you just like get the keys to the team when those guys mm-hmm. exist there. That said, there's got to be a little bit of give on the side of Siakam if he's going to be back, and there has to be an understanding like, oh, yeah, okay, like I've been the best player on teams that have been fine, but our best chance to win is probably if Scotty Barnes grows into whatever the best player on this team is going to be down the line, and I'm happy to be along for the ride there. And I think Pascal is a pretty amenable dude. Like, I, I don't see 
Pascal, like, you know, making a stink if it's like, well, this is going to be Scotty's team now. You're a, you're a big part of it. You're the, the 1A to Scotty's, you know, or 1B to Scotty's 1A. Like, I can see that being sort of solved, but there's got to be some sort of give and take on both sides, I think. Um, you know, it, it's just... It would be nice if, like, older players who have a lot of experience could critique younger players without it being seen as some sort of slight, I guess. Maybe this is just my 30-year-oldness uh, coming through. Um, <laughs> but, but you can, and we've yeah. seen it done. We've seen it done, like, we've seen it done well, right? For we've sure. even seen For it sure. done well within the Raptors' mm-hmm. previous iterations. Yeah, and then the front office has to, you know, put a roster together that makes some sense, too. It's uh, We're running along here. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to get into Siakam of it all and sort of the idea of, like, is maybe just ripping off the Band-Aid the thing to do right now, as much as it sucks. We'll get to that in a second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel, who are the number one sports book in the land. And if you're a Major League Baseball fan, now is a great time to take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 You can spend on betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run in the All-Star game. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet MLB than on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, we continue on here. Katie Heindel, as my buttons are very slow to work today, that's fine. Um, Katie, by the way, thanks everyone for tuning in. Every dayers of the podcast, let us know in the comments if you are that, and uh, we appreciate you so so much. You're the best. Um, go listen to yesterday's show as well as we dug into uh, you know the, the Siakam stuff on a bit more of a deep level too. But more Siakam. So the piece is framed around essentially the idea that it might be getting close for the Raptors here to move on from Pascal Siakam and find a trade. Obviously, the Atlanta Hawks have been out there, kind of the only team that's really been in the ether as a potential match. And it's worth Mm -hmm. noting that as of tomorrow, all the moves that have been announced in the moratorium for the NBA can become official. And that's when you'll see sort of multi-team trades coalesce. And it's worth noting, uh, Daniel Hackett, our cap specialist friend from Raptors HQ, uh, pointing out that if there is a Siakam deal with the Hawks, it would make a lot of sense for it to be sorted out today in order for the John Collins trade to be kind of folded into it money-wise. It just makes it easier. That's not to say it's going to happen. It could always happen at a later date, but it's something to watch today if they're trying to get this thing done quickly, if there is a trade even to be made, which again, I don't think we've seen any sort of real notable proposals you know, shared out in the ether or anything like that. But 
One of the other takeaways I had from this piece, Katie, and this pains me as a dyed-in-the-wool Pascal Siakam appreciator and a run-it-back uh, sort of you know card-carrying member of Club Run It Back. Um, I, it left me wondering if we've seen the beginning of the sort of changeover from last year's regime into whatever this new thing is going to be with Darko and clearly Scotty Barnes having a more you know prime role in the team. Is it maybe just like best for everybody if the Pascal Siakam Band-Aid gets ripped off, ripped off this summer? I don't even know how I feel about this, but part of me did feel like maybe it's just like time to sort of move into that next era. And it doesn't seem like Masai Ujiri has been shy about his desire to kind of move this thing into a new era either. And so I could see them getting kind of bold with this and just saying, you know what, like it didn't work last year. Siakam, we love you, but we're going to go make a trade here. Again, I don't think they're just going to do it for the sake of a trade. There's got to be an actually good trade out there for them to pull it off. But is there something to the idea of kind of a clean slate here? Or is that seeding too much to the youths, Katie? Yeah, I think you nailed it. It's contingent on what the like who the trade would be for you know and what that end result looks like um you know i you're like it's wild that i saw your your dame trade pick up steam notably the ringers michael pina basically like echoed it (laughs) almost exactly for the people Um, who are only listening i'm doing a weird dance from your unhinged (laughs) proposal to me several weeks ago but uh i think that to me you would want to keep Pascal if you could yeah, in that situation. 100% if for some reason you landed Damian Lillard to Toronto, um, because that's a very structurally sound and competitive team. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not going in that direction and you're just looking at, yeah, for you mentioned the Hawks. I haven't really seen that many other viable options out there. It's hard. There's like not a lot of teams that yeah. need a Pascal Siakam and have the salaries requisite to match. Yeah, and I like think it's the more the salary want. thing moving the need, not moving the needle right now, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, it might be better to wait and you're not just going to trade this guy for nothing. I also think to a degree we've seen the way the front office, sometimes to their detriment, uh, has a fondness and attachment to, to their players, especially the core, like this mm-hmm. iteration of the core. Which, again, not usually a bad thing. It's just not so great when things go wrong, like dominoes. Mm-hmm. So I'm on the fence, kind of. Like, I could really see them bringing him back for another year, because why not? Um, you want to see how he works in a new environment under new coaching staff. Um, kind of now the de facto leader of the team, mm-hmm. to a degree. Uh, but then you're also like, uh, well, now we're one less person of this <laughs> two-man core that was leading the team Mm -hmm. how realistic is it that will be much better than we were last season yeah i mean i think there there should be some preparation for a little bit of pain regardless in like 2023-24 like i'm not going in with like sky high expectations i'm open to being like surprised and that'll be awesome take low expectations into every season that's kind of the uh the, the best way to be a fan i think um but, you know, I, I think if they run it back minus Fred for this year, then it's, yeah, there is going to be some growing pains for sure. Could it lead to something better down the line? And could, is there a world in which we're talking in three years and Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes are, you know, playing off of one another beautifully and everything's happy? Like, absolutely there is. How many times have we seen in Raptors history these sort of, like, 
premature, not even premature, but just like, you know, it seems like it's coming to an end with a guy and then all of a sudden it's salvaged. Like this has happened. I mean, it happened with Kyle Lowry like four times. Uh, mm-hmm. Like this is just like the way it goes in the NBA. Even Pascal Siakam is at his own ups and downs with the team. And I think he would, you would probably say he's at like a pretty high up, you know, peak near his peak of sort of like his importance to the team right now and the way he's helping the team out. But obviously, you know, there there are the the arguments on the other side of do you just kind of pivot to the to the young version of this team, let Scotty run with it and, you know, suffer a little bit for a couple of years as the growing pains happen. I I think, you know, it it'd be a shame if it's just like, okay, it's done now. And you don't get to see Scotty and Pascal play together anymore. And look, am I hanging too much on the back part of the 21-22 season where those two guys, as the two best players on the team, were amazing together and led the Raptors to an incredible second half? Uh, maybe. It's, it's totally possible. I'm kind of hinging all of my belief in this team on those three months of basketball. But I, I think it would be a shame if like all of this stuff, all of the lack of internal direction ends up with the best player on the team and one of the five best players in franchise history just getting traded because it just makes the most sense timeline wise. And that's a bummer, too. Um, and it is like on the front office, I would say, for allowing it to get to this point where, um, you know, there, there's the, the this exodus of talent that might be going on even if the talent is not, you know, championship level. I, I guess let's, I, I want to ask you sort of your feelings on if this is kind of the end. I mean, it is the end. The Fred Pascal era is over. It's done. How do you feel about it? In you know, obviously we're not even out of it fully just yet, but like, do you feel like it should have been given more runway? Do you think it deserved less runway? Like, for me, I have a hard time like being upset with them kind of trying to give them all the room as possible to sort of figure this out and take the team themselves and be the new guys to kind of take the mantle from Kyle. Um, they earned it, right? Like they put in a lot of work in their early years, were part of a championship team. I think they absolutely deserved the shot to run their own team. And I, I think the runway was warranted. And I, even though, though it wasn't like a championship level team, and I don't think they were ever going to lead the Raptors to super high end success. I still didn't really care because it was fun to watch our dudes who kind of came up with the team and were such part of the fabric of what the team was. It's a little sad that it's kind of all over, even though I know the ultimate goal was probably never going to be reached. That doesn't have to be the case for every single team, I think. And there's joy to be kind of gleaned from teams that come a little bit short. But I'm not sure. This is a weird one to kind of end. It's like a very sort of rushed, shortened by pandemic and sort of Tampa season era that feels a little incomplete to me. Mm-hmm. I think there'll always be that question mark around the Raptors franchise specifically. You know, you had a lot. You had every team had this disruption of the pandemic Mm -hmm. the Raptors certainly felt that a bit heavier um, and I think there were some progressions that were just like Mm -hmm. dead-ended that we'll never get to see others that we haven't really seen come to fruition or just kind of catching up now you know I think of somebody like Pascal Siakam's development um, that was just cut short because he couldn't play basketball for months and months and months at a time Uh, I think the I'll be very interested though I feel like no one wants to talk about it just like the psychological impacts of a season like Tampa, because to me, I think the biggest surprise is that Pascal Siakam and Fred family were set up to be leaders uh, and didn't to me really fully step into that role with sure. this team. Um, some of that, of course, going to be buy-in, you know, by the younger guys on the roster, but you have to make people believe in you and you have to be willing to step into that. And, you know, mm-hmm. Fred, like, I'm really going to miss Fred just like it in the locker room, like as a, as someone who kind of like is the 
leader of the team and that he always took accountability was like super eloquent and like pointing things out. Like, so I don't want this to sound like he's not an accountable person because he always certainly was mm -hmm. to media in that sense. Um, but there still has to be a willingness to work with people that, you know, frustrate you or like want to bring them along. And again, we only know maybe less than half of it because we're not in the locker room, but they're just different styles of leaders. Um, but maybe we didn't get to see them fully come into that for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. So I think that might be the, biggest question mark left over for me. We always knew it was going to come to an end. We probably didn't think it would come to an end this in this way where it's like almost being broken up and like sold off for parts it now feels like, <laughs> but that sometimes just happens with a print with a basketball franchise. I don't yeah, know. Well, it I comes can't... fast in the NBA. It yeah. Really does. <laughs> you can't really begrudge them too much mm -hmm. considering all the other factors, you know, that have been at play these last few seasons. But yeah, probably for me, it's just this like, well, they were handed their reins to the team, so to speak. Uh, and I'm not sure they really like saw it through to yeah. the fullest they could have. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's an interesting one. We're going to, by the way, do like a full retrospective on Fred's time in Toronto. We will do that. It feels a little bit close to everything right now to kind mm -hmm. of dive in. And, you know, people have their feelings about Fred that are weird. Um, but we'll we'll do a, like a good look back. You Probably you and I, as uh, I know, like your very first appearances on the podcast were to talk about Fred Van Vliet in his rookie season. Yeah. Uh, very fond like, memories. <laughs> very much. This guy's going to be somebody. Yeah. And hell, yeah. you were right. Um, but yeah, we're going to leave it there. Fred Van Vliet, of course, got his first start in NBA Summer League. And uh, we're going to talk about Summer League coming up in just a sec. As Katie is headed off to Vegas tomorrow, we're going to run it through our quick Summer League storylines to watch to close out the show. Before we do that, just a reminder, go check out Locked on Leafs, uh, your daily Leafs podcast, as they're doing all sorts of stuff in the offseason, signing former NBA NHL players' sons to their team and uh, weird enforcers for three years at a time. You know, it's a bit of a bizarre offseason for them, but our boys Mike and Dave over there at Locked on Leafs are doing a great job breaking it all down for you, telling you what matters and what you should be feeling. So go check out Locked on Leafs if you are Buds fan they're a great show and they're available each and every day wherever you get your podcasts the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date locked on nba available on youtube and wherever you get podcasts Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Katie, let's round it out here. Um, Summer League, mm -hmm. it's coming up. It's very exciting. Grady Dick, his first uh, time in a Raptors jersey. Pat Delaney, one of the Raptors' new assistant coaches, one of the front benchers, will be coaching the team. Uh, obviously, they announced the Summer League roster yesterday. No, like, uh, it's not, like, studded with, like, oh, I remember that guy or anything like that. There's Grady Dick. There, You know, Christian Coloco has a respiratory thing, so he's going to be out. Jeff Doughton had surgery. He's not mm -hmm. going to be playing. We know Delano Banton's not on the Raptors anymore, so he won't be there. Um, but there will be Grady Dick. There will be Marquise Noel. There will be Moses Brown, I guess. Uh what are your sort of summer league storylines to watch, Katie, as you get set to head down to Vegas in the scorching heat? I like that it's not so much uh, like remember these guys. That mm -hmm. was a big issue last year. <laughs> uh, Rodion's career had no business being on that roster. So it was nice that there were no surprises in that sense. I like that yeah. there's so many. This is like a very 905 heavy roster. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, I think that's what you want to do. You want to give shots to those guys right to make the team if they can 
um, because they've been putting the work in with your <clears throat> G League team. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty excited to see. I mean, I think the storyline should just be seeing like uh, Marky Snowell and Grady Dick play. Pretty excited to watch those guys, you know, and see mm -hmm. them in the, the the flesh and in person and also play together. I don't really have a sense of what this team will be and look like. I think that was shaped certainly last year uh, and the year prior, just with some of your, like Delano, Panton, I think, certainly shaped the tenure of things last year mm -hmm. at Summer League, and I, I'm going to miss that guy. I'm, again, really happy for him. Mm -hmm. That's a good move by the Celtics. It's, it's kind of a silly move to me by the Raptors to not sign someone who you want to develop when you said this is your season you're focusing on development. Yeah. Again. It was weird. Oh, <laughs> Delano. It was weird that they like <laughs> said we're going to develop. I, I Frankly, I don't really think Delano Banton's an NBA player, so I'm not upset. In he literally is. Without... So <laughs> I just refuse. No, I, re I hate this line one, of, but... this is like not a good line of dialogue because it's not That's true. Fair. It's literally hey. untrue. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so, uh, and I think, you know, the, the way that they played also the season prior with Scotty Barnes is just like things were kind of fast and like a bit mm -hmm. erratic. I don't know if it'll look like that this year. Maybe like more heavy shooting, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think it'll be fun. It's always like a scram fun, scrambly style of basketball to watch. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, always you got to like guard against overreacting to Summer League. Please don't overreact to Summer League. Or you can. Uh, it's f I think like within can. the context of Summer League, it's fine to overreact. Kings fans had a fun time overreacting last year, and I guess that paid off in the long run, so good yes. for them. Um, but like, I, I think I'm I'm really excited to watch Greg Dick. Like, I, I just getting to see his shooting like in the flesh, I, I think is going to be an absolute blast. And uh, I, I'm curious to see if there's sort of any like, you know, any sprinklings of, oh, is he like creating himself a little bit? Like, is he have a little like, you know, put it on the deck to his game, that type of stuff. See what kind of limits he can go tap into. Because um, like, I, I would imagine he's going to be a little bit more featured on this team than he will be on the Raptors proper next year. Yes. Um, so let's <laughs> see what kind of he can kind of tap into. And I, I do think Marquise Noel, I, you know, I, I know I've seen some folks out there be like, well, he's going to get regular minutes on the Raptors this year. And I think that's maybe a stretch for a, a rookie undrafted 5'8 guard. Um, but I'm really excited to see how he organizes things because i do think a big thing that's been missing from raptors 905 in recent years is an organizing point guard to just kind of set the table for everybody else and mm -hmm. uplift everybody else's game there's not been that sort of you know amplify others style of point guard on the team and so i'm fascinated to see if noel can kind of create that environment where everyone's just kind of getting their looks off because their point guard is making sure they're eating. I, I think that's going to be uh, a big part of the Summer League team. But most importantly, I think 905, if you're trying to get that back to being like a developmental hub, having a real point guard who can actually run normal offense and actually just like kind of get things settled down, I think is super important. It's frankly, honestly, not to go back to Delano Banton, but like it's the problem I had with Delano Banton as like the Stop. point guard of the 905. <laughs> I just, it's just, he's got some stuff to him. I don't think he's got like NBA role player stuff to him. And I think that is... The problem that they ran into but um yeah either way I, i'm fascinated to see grady dick and marquise noel work off one another and uh you know I, I guess we'll get like some inkling of how the raptors themselves want to play with pat delaney being the assistant coach like i don't think we're going to see like a full-on oh this is what the exact offense is going to look like but i'm sure there will be like some inkling as to their preferred style that's kind of the fun of not having seen a darker rayakovic coached team is mm -hmm. how are they actually going to do this thing and, and what's it all going to look like on the floor how are they going to play defense um, obviously you can't really implement a real 
defense in summer league without your actual players and more time to instill principles. But I think we'll get some sort of hints as to the style of play they're going to go for. Do you have any uh, last parting shots or thoughts on summer league before we wrap up here, Katie? Nope. Cool. You're mad at me for my Delano Banton skepticism. That's fine. Uh, We'll be back again tomorrow as Vivek Jacob will be along and we'll, uh, you know, talk about whatever's new in the world that is the Toronto Raptors this summer, which is uh, never boring. There's stuff all the time to dig into, and we will do that with Big V tomorrow. Um, In the meantime, thank you so much for tuning into the show. Please follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free. Wherever you get your podcasts, go check out all of Katie's wonderful work over at Basketball Feelings, at Dime, at Gaming Society, at TVO with Big V, uh, all the different places. Go check out Katie's work and uh, find me on all the socials uh, at Woodley Sean, at Lockdown Raptors, all that good stuff. Lockdown Raptors Discord in the description. And uh, we're done plugging stuff. We're wrapping it there. Thanks so much. Bye bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.